Welcome to Holy and Ho, the podcast. Holy and Ho exists to help sanctify the saved community of saints at Nashville Methodist Church and beyond as we learn to live into a pattern of life together where we can grow as mature disciples of Jesus Christ, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father, all for the sake of loving our neighbors. Today, I will offer to you the homily that was given to Nashville Methodist Church in Nashville, North Carolina for its Ash Wednesday worship service, which was held on February 22nd, 2023. Let's dive in. The scripture reading today is from Psalm 32, verses 1 through 11. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away, through my groaning all day long. For by day and night your hand was heavy on me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you, while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, there's a little ditty about Adam and Eve. They are in a paradise garden where they can freely choose from a multitude of trees to eat from. However, they are also free to eat from this one particular tree. But if they eat from this tree, they will be rebelling against Yahweh, God, their creator. Oh, and also, they will die. As the story goes, they eat of the one tree they are not to eat from thereby disobeying God, committing sin, and unleashing a fury of hot mess consequences upon a good creation. Ah yes, the very good image bearers ruined it for the good creatures amidst a good creation. This is the story that even skeptics and atheists are aware of. What's not well known, however, is that there are consequences that came about due to the actions of Adam and Eve, the first humans. Sin might be fun in the moment, but there are always consequences. For all the shenanigans of a Saturday night, there comes the sober reality of a Sunday morning. So while many know the action Adam and Eve took, how about the immediate consequences they faced? Well, Scripture reveals to us that there are three, and I'd like to identify the immediate consequences today. First, in Genesis 3, verse 8, 
we see the first humans hide from God. They are no longer with God. The second, Genesis 3, verse 10. They are afraid of God. Their relationship with God is now strained. The third, Genesis 3, 12. They were surrounded by blame and shame. Instead of frolicking around, they're now pointing the finger at each other. Well, seems kind of intense for some people just eating some fruit, right? Well, again, disobedience has consequences. Ever since now, humanity has been playing an impossible game of hide and seek from God, as if we could either hide from God or impress God with our many good works. But as Steve Siemens, professor of Christian doctrine at Asbury Seminary, has said, which has now become a tradition for me to quote every Ash Wednesday, fig leaves and makeup don't make us more presentable to God. I recall a friendly conversation I had with someone years ago on wearing proper attire to church. He staunchly stated that one was to wear their best. Suit and tie, no questions asked, end of story. One is to always wear their best to church because God is deserving of our best. Now, while I certainly agree that God is deserving of our best, my concern was that it could send a message of legalism and that we are only to present our best self to God. Presenting ourselves in a modest, God-honoring way is undoubtedly how we should approach our attire. However, when we bring our sins to God, we do not come in black tie attire. We actually bring to God our rags, our throwaways, the clothes we perhaps think should simply be placed in a box and driven to the local mission outpost. The truth is, you see, God does want our best. However, that's only part of it. God, you see, wants our all. God wants your all, which means your sin. Yes, God, he wants your sin. Why? Because he is the only one who can do something about your sin. This, my friends, is the witness of Scripture. It's the testimony of the saints. It's the story of salvation. A sinful people learning to stop hiding from and start running towards the God who is love. In the psalm that I read, David does just that. In verse 5, he exclaims, I acknowledged my sin. I did not cover it up. I confessed it. No fig leaves and makeup here, huh? This is raw and real. This is vulnerable and vivid, which is exactly what the Psalms are. The biblical account of the reality of the human experience coming face to face with the God who is love, who, according to Psalm 30, verse 5, whose anger is for a moment, but favor is for a lifetime. But let's be real. Isn't it terrifying to be real with God? We can fake it around our friends. We can pretend everything is fine around our neighbors. We can present our best to them. But what, we, what about when we come clean about our true self to the God of the cosmos? Won't there be dire and deathly consequences if we came real with God? Well, let's keep going in this psalm and let's see what happens with David after he confesses his sin to God. And verse 7 is what I would suggest to you 
is actually a grand reversal of the Genesis 3 story. Here, David finds in God his hiding place. He isn't hiding like Adam. In God, David finds the one who preserves his life. He isn't afraid of God like Adam. In God, David finds the one who surrounds him with deliverance and victory. He isn't surrounded by blame and shame like Adam. Friends, sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59.2 tells us that. But this is precisely why the virgin gave birth to a son back at Christmas, to save his people from their sins. David approached God with his sins, and God did not turn him away. And now in Christ, brothers and sisters, God has actually come to us as the sinless one that he might bear our sins, that we might not die in sin, but have life in Jesus Christ. Therefore, brothers and sisters, let us enter into Lent and boldly approach the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find the grace that we need. As we say to God, as our ancestor David did, here's my sin. Do not hide from God. He is actually your hiding place. Do not be afraid of him, for he will preserve you from trouble. Do not be surrounded by shame. Because God will surround you with shouts of deliverance. The consequences of not giving God our sin is separation from God and death. The consequences, however, of bringing our sin to God is grace upon grace. So this Lenten season, may you not be afraid to bring your sin to God that you might find grace upon grace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Holy and Whole, the podcast. We encourage you to share, like, or subscribe to this podcast to help others find it, that they might learn how to live the holy and whole life.